Hello and welcome to the Gambler Betting Podcast. I'm Slitzbet and I'm joined as ever this week by Greg Frilk ahead to this week's best bets in Scotland and England this week. How's it going, Mr Browning? Good, thank you. Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Good, yeah. I sneaked in a wee England mention there. I don't think we've done much in England this, this season at all, but we're going to have a wee look at a couple this weekend. Yeah, League One's been pretty good to us the last couple of weeks, um, just in terms of goals. And I found another nice couple of angles in the corner markets in the Premiership. So, hoping they, they pay off. Cool, if it goes ahead. If it goes ahead, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, already obviously games tonight called off at Leicester Spurs. Um, I'm assuming that's just going to be the norm now. I think um, even I know people have got COVID now, um, yeah. friends and family and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty rife at the moment. And I guess there will be potentially some sort of circuit breaker at some point. Yeah, it looks like it's just a case of whether we can get past the Christmas period or not, unfortunately, at the moment. But we'll see how things pan out. Uh, we're delighted to welcome back to the podcast this week, uh, Scottish football data expert and uh, probably see a long-suffering Falkirk fan, <laughs> Colin Cunningham. How are you doing, Colin? Um, good folks, how are we both? Yeah, good and great to have you back. I think it was, was it before the season started or just as the season started you were last on the podcast? Yeah, it's good to be back on. I um, Yeah, we did a season preview and we sort of ran through the three lower leagues, some anti-post tips, uh, a couple going well, uh, one of them not so much. I think anti-post bets are funny though because it's, you obviously, if you're betting, if you're betting on matches every week, you've. I mean, I certainly do this. I know a lot of betters. You've, you've, you, the price you take, you can always sort of track it back to like a closing price. And even if it doesn't win, you can still look at it and say, you know, if the price shortened, then you've got that measure to say that was a good bet. And if I just mm. keep repeating that over and over, whereas anti-post bets are almost like a one-off every year, where yeah, and they're not as data-driven as well. You're kind of using your own judgment about teams and. I'm not, this sounds like I'm trying to get myself off the hook. I don't think we were. <laughs> I don't think we we're wrong to look beyond Kilmarnock. Um, I think I think we did agree at the time they were a little bit short, and their performances up to this point haven't been haven't been consistent with a team who were an odds-on shot to win the league. I wouldn't have thought. Well, it was one yeah. of the questions I was going to ask you, Colin. We're now pretty much at halfway stage across the, the four Scottish divisions. I was just going to ask you who. Who's been the biggest surprise for you and who's been the biggest flop so far? I think, uh, story of the season, I think you've got to give it to our growth. I think for a part-time team to be within three points, to be in the title race effectively at the halfway stage is incredible in the championship. Three points off the top, we've got the best goal difference. It'd be a team that, I think it's our third season in the league and they'd be a team where We've had part-time teams come up before. They've had a couple of good seasons, and the third one seems to be the one that's a struggle. I'm thinking teams like Alloa, like Dan Barton, yeah. they just seem to have kicked on. It's incredible. Um, I also saw as well they've hit the thousand-season ticket mark, which is, well, I think, it's great as well. Like just yeah. seeing seeing the, the town buy into that, and a, just a bit of a redemption story for Dick Campbell, isn't it? He's always been one of these characters of the lower leagues, but to see him back in amongst you. Know, near the top of the second tier is brilliant isn't it yeah it's funny as well because they're playing pretty much um in terms of what's expected of them there's no real pressure on them in a lot of games especially going away to the bigger teams like thistle and kilmarnock but they're going there and getting results which is just incredible really it's such a funny league though the championship 
Um, there's a few stats that I've kind of dug out for this week's podcast, which we'll cover as we, we, we look at some of the games. But, um, you know, it's a very, very tight league at the top and kind of stretching a wee bit at the bottom, but it's a very distinct two leagues within the one table there, isn't there? It's a, it's a crazy division you've got. Is it three points between the top five and about three or four between the bottom five and then just a massive gap? Mm-hmm. And so even to the point of, you know, if one of the teams in the bottom half was to you know, go on a run and pull themselves clear, they'd probably have about a quarter of the season just with nothing to play for. Yeah, yeah. And uh, being a Falkirk fan, I hesitate to push you on who are the biggest flops this season. It's, uh, it's us or Dunfermline, isn't it? <laughs> I think uh, I would say it's probably Dunfermline, given where they are and the fact that they can't win the league. Although Falkirk are in a pretty grim situation at the moment, they're not out of it in terms of they can still get promoted. Whereas Dunfermline, you could probably say can't. So I think the award for the season flop goes to the pars. I'm afraid to say. And just based on you're obviously across all the data, Colin, far more so than, than Greg and I are, in terms of teams that are maybe underperforming versus the data, who who should we maybe be looking out for in the second half of the season? Uh, I, I keep wanting to say St Johnston because they're, they're a team that, my, <laughs> so that my data throws up every week, but yeah, I've I've not watched I've not watched sports in the last couple of weeks, and Greg will be able to delve deeper into them. But it's beginning to feel like selling your two best players on deadline day maybe isn't the smartest move. Okay, maybe not. Uh, and who's overperforming in terms of the data? Who's who's got a fall coming? I don't want to say they've got a fall coming, but Montrose are Montrose are ahead of like their expected points, but they're a team under Stuart Petrie who just always are. So yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to say they're they're due a dip. Dundee United uh, potentially. Yeah, it does easy, United are just fans, coming off the rails a little bit. Their fans get very touchy when you bring this up as well. <laughs> when you suggest they're, they're doing but a bit think, better than they should be, but but they absolutely are doing better than they should be in terms of they've only won one of their last eight matches. They've had a great start to the season, but they're still sitting pretty in fourth. United fans should still be delighted with the fact that it's a really volatile league and they're sitting fourth in twenty-five points and no danger at the moment of being sucked into any relegation battle. So. Um, I don't think United will be there come May. I think Aberdeen and Hibs will pick up and United will find themselves probably pushing to stay in the top six with Motherwell probably. Yeah, and we touched on Dunfermline who were, I think, maybe about 8-1 to anti-post, is that right, Craig? Yeah, 8-1 to I think was the general price across the board. For they're, now, <laughs> they're now 250-1. to <laughs> I'll give you 500. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nah, you're okay. Uh, so we're going to get stuck into the, the Scottish games. Uh, as I say, great to have Colin on board in the podcast this week. Before we do that, Greg, a few wee bits and pieces of housekeeping. Um, just cover last week's podcast for us. Yeah, last weekend was terrific, to be fair. It's probably the best Saturday and Sunday we've had, probably for four or five weeks anyway, maybe six weeks. Um, the NAP landed at Celtic Park on Sunday, over 10.5 corners at 11 to 10. Ross County with Dundee goals came in, Edinburgh City double chance to score came in, Aberdeen at 8-5 came in, Fleetwood Town, a new favourite of mine, came in again, and, and the Hearts match was just tremendous on Sunday. Yeah, um, was it 10 cards, was it? 13 cards in total, the bet builder came in, Devlin to be booked came in, I think I also recommended Devlin and Haring both to be booked at 6-1, but there could have been some massive, massive um, card Hollywood accumulators on Sunday. The yeah. only disappointing thing was Morelos managed to avoid a booking. So Un- unbelievable. So, <laughs> so 
a lot of players you'd expect to get booked got booked, but it's so difficult though to get a three or four player card accumulator up. Yeah, it's Hollywood it stuff. It may happen once a season, two times a season, but doubles is a bit a bit easier. But to get trebles and fourfolds is really hard. Yeah, and you are obviously following the trend of cards in the the Premiership this season as well. Yeah, I think I might just do a channel based on cards. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> based on the on the Premiership in Scotland, it's been fantastic, and we've got a really great grasp of who the key players are in terms of the data, the stats, the fouls, but most importantly, who the bookings are, i.e. step forward, Van Veen from Motherwell, Liam Craig for St Johnston. There's loads of players, most of the clubs have got probably two or three key candidates yeah. for cards. Yeah, so it's definitely agreed. something I'll be focusing on for the rest of the season, yeah. Yep, and we should also just tie up uh, with end in Norway. Normally we would have uh, David Wellerson on the podcast at some point, and last weekend was the final weekend in the Lotus Eren, and uh, Bodo Glimt did what they had to do, and they won their second consecutive league title there, so congratulations to them, and thanks to David for all his efforts throughout the season. I think he ended up with a couple of winners for us on the podcast last week as well. Yeah, he did. Um, I think he had a Viking to, to score two. On, on the Sunday and he had, some, he had someone else to win as well so pretty good season all round and probably just better mentioning the Bran versus uh, Yerv match yesterday mm. in the playoff match um, unfortunately we didn't get any team card mark sorry team corner markets on Bran it's something I've been doing a lot this season you get 16 in the end in 90 minutes finished no no at full time Brand got a man sent off in the first minute of extra time, lost a penalty, went down 2-0, went 1-all, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2, 4-2, 4-3, 4-all, and yeah, I've beaten penalties 5-4. I think it finished in sudden death. Did you say it was 0-0 so, no, no at full time? Um, yes. Yeah, it finished 4-4? No, no. no, sorry, 1-1 at half at full time, sorry. 1-1 right. at full time. And it finished 4-all after extra, extra time so six goals scored in extra time which is very very rare so I'm kind of glad to see Brand go down actually after missing two penalties <laughs> 16 corners 45 shots yeah they've really pissed you off haven't they yeah. um, we should also just mention just to wrap up on that that we'll be hearing a lot from David Wellison you'll probably be all across your TV your radio and everything else uh, ahead of Bodo Glimp's tie with Celtic uh, in the new year yeah, we joked at the start of the week, actually. I think I sent David a, a gif just saying if they draw Celtic, his phone will be off the hook. Um, all the calls he's going to be getting. But yeah, that's a cracking tie. A really good tie. And I'm really pleased for David as well. I think there's nobody better placed in terms of Scottish football, Norwegian football, yeah. to give the media the no, the, the lowdown on, on Bora Glimpse, which, which is great. I think he's done an article already for the Herald, and I'm sure we'll see him on most media outlets over the coming months yeah. and um, the match yeah it's a it's a gambler betting podcast stream isn't it that time? it really is I'm looking forward to the podcast we do for this one if David comes back on he might be too busy with his yeah, yeah, Charlie, Charlie big time by then I think won't he but yeah, we'll look forward to that. Anyway, let's get started on this weekend's fixtures in Scotland and the match of the weekend, without doubt, is at Hamden uh, and it's Hibernian v Celtic at 3pm on Sunday with the, the Premier Sports Cup at stake. Um, and it's quite an interesting one, quite a hard one to decipher this um, once you, you dig into it a wee bit, Greg. Uh, Hibs managerless, uh, they relieved Jack Ross of his duties a couple of weeks ago now. Reports are that Sean Maloney looks like he's going to be taking over potentially, but David Gray 
is the interim manager at the moment. He, of course, has a very special relationship with Hamden Park, having scored the winner there when the Hibs won the Cup. Uh, and they're up against the Celtic side, who are getting results, despite the fact that their squad's fairly light, um, especially going middle to front. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting one. What's your take on this? I think the price of Celtic for me is very decent. 4-7, 8-13. I would honestly think it would be at least 1-2, to two, possibly 4-9. to nine. I think at the moment, as you say, Celtic are missing bodies. Still got a very good squad. And I noticed a lot of talk last night about them down to the bare bones. Well, like a lot of people, I'm not, I'm not having that. <laughs> I'm not having that given, yes, they are missing some crucial players, but the team that they put out last night at Ross County was still full of what? international players, players who've been bought for 2.3, 3.5 million pounds. So to be fair to Celtic though, last night was a massive, massive, massive win last night. You can't underestimate how big a victory that was. Yeah. To get that 96 minute and three second goal. <laughs> I know that Malky Mackay was crying about it being over the, a lot of time, but good teams go to the end. And how often do you see the bigger clubs and the better teams scoring late on? Obviously, man, you did it for decades under, under Fergie. But in terms of this match on Sunday, I would fully expect Celtic to go and win this. I don't think many people will give Hibs a chance. But that said, David Gray will be very happy, to be fair. He's been in charge for two matches. I won a draw at St Mirren and I won the win against Dundee on, I think, Tuesday. So he'll be, they'll be quietly confident they can go and cause an upset. But I just think... There's a real good feel factor about Celtic at the moment, even yeah. minus the players that are missing. I still think they've got enough quality to go to Hamden and, and win this match. Sadly, there's no card or corner market yet, which is pretty piss poor, to be fair, given we're now on Thursday night, finals on Sunday, and we've only got limited markets at the moment. So I guess for me, I'll be very keen on Celtic corners, obviously, yeah. as, we, as we always are. I think they hit seven or eight last night. Again, they hit 10, I think, on Sunday against Motherwell. And obviously before that, they've hit double figures in four of the last five games. So, yeah, it'd be keen to see Celtic on the big Hamden pitch, what they can do corner-wise. And the Hibs are always good for a card. So, be keen to see what sort of bet we can get on Sunday. Colin, we've been all over the Celtic corners markets this season. Is that a market you followed yourself? Um, I, I generally just keep it keep it quite simple with my stuff, to be honest. One x two Asian lines, goal lines. Just I'm I'm very sort of focused on being able to track my prices against the closing prices. So I like I like markets that you can always get after the event on odds portal. So corner uh, corners isn't one of them, unfortunately. So uh, there's definitely a, you know from what Greg's been doing, the results he's been getting, there's clearly value in it. But it's something that you know I just. I've got my sort of process that I like to stick to. Um, purely on this game, I think I think Greg's right that it's, it's actually a pretty decent price on Celtic. They were when they were last at Easter Road, they went off at one point six, and they're about the same here. But this is obviously a neutral venue. You know, Hibs not having home advantage this time. Mm-hmm. I would this type of bet. I'd probably be looking to get with Celtic on like an Asian handicap, maybe the minus one. Um, I think it's a decent price, but what's probably put me off is just the lack of firepower at the minute. I think mm-hmm. that last time that we, they did win at Easter Road, they had Jota and Kyogo. Yeah. And obviously, I'm, 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 with, I'm the same with Greg. I'm not buying the sort of down to the bare bones when they've got, you know, six or seven international players starting, but up front, you know, playing a badass who's, you know, as a winger, playing him as a sort of false nine is, 
that's, that's not quite filling me with confidence that they're going to blow Hibs away here. I think they probably do still get over the line, though. Had Celtic been at full strength, you'd probably expect to see Celtic at four to nine for this match. Maybe even a little bit shorter at two to five. Yeah, I think the other thing to factor in is just how good Celtic have been at Hamden in recent years. I think uh, it's 16 games without defeat at Hamden. So, although, you know, it's a neutral venue, it'll very much feel like, you know, closer to a home game for Celtic than Hibs. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, they're backed by 25,000 Celtic fans. I think Hibs have sold the majority of their tickets as well. So, it should be a cracking match, actually. Really looking forward to it. It should be a cracking atmosphere. Um, I think Hibs will be looking to keep it tight early on. Still to get an early goal, then you'd probably have to fear for, for Hibs. Yeah. But again, no one's really expecting much from Hibs on Sunday, I must admit. Um, they've been pretty disappointing, I would say, Hibs this season. And obviously that's the reason why Jack Ross has departed. But Sean Maloney, if he does come in, I think could be a really good appointment for them. And it's good to see them going a bit different in terms of what they'd normally go for. Yeah, the, the romantic in you, I suppose, would maybe look at David Gray and think what a story it would be for him to be the guy who scored the goal that won the Scottish Cup for Hibs and then, you know, to have the opportunity to lead them to, a, to another piece of silverware. Absolutely, not many people get the chance to manage a team at a cup final. He's Certainly not for Hibs. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it in three games. So, yeah, I think it'll be the usual suspects for Hibs in terms of cards. I think Newell will be up there. Porteous definitely will be up there. Uh, Doyle Hayes as well so plenty of card opportunities in the Hibs team and Celtic aren't shy of a card either to be fair in a, in a, in a cup match so yeah looking forward to it but okay. at the moment no bet for me until I see card and corner markets So general consensus is Celtic should get over the line but um, you'll maybe have a wee look at card markets before kickoff. Yes. Sorry and corners Okay though let's have a look at the four Premiership games uh, we'll kick off with Dundee v Hearts um, and I guess last week's defeat for Hearts to Rangers was pretty much the the last breath of a, a potential title challenge that was maybe muted at the beginning of the season um, they find themselves quite distant now from both Celtic and Rangers in third um, and I think the thing to note about Hearts is they've now just taken 12 points from their last 10 league games and uh, Colin, we've kind of spoke about teams over and overperforming and underperforming in terms of their data. Where do where the hearts sit for you? It's slightly over, certainly in terms of goals scored. But I, I think they fully deserve to be where they are. I think they they definitely recruited well over the summer. Um, listening to Joe Savage, I think in an interview yesterday, it sounds like they've got quite big plans for January as well. So I think I think they can still hold on to third. I think. Uh, you're looking, you're looking at the other teams behind them, and nobody's really been putting together consistent runs. Mm-hmm. Wayne Hearts have been slipping up, so I, I still think they are the third best side in the country. Um, this game Saturday, I think the prices are about right. To be honest, there's no, no bet in this one for me. Greg, I thought the the nineteen, oh, I've seen ninety to twenty. I don't know if there's a bit of even money available elsewhere, but um, Bet365 are going 19-20 for Hearts. Um, so that was a fairly fair price. Yeah, they're the same price as they went to Livingston, I think, to win. Um, even money-ish is probably the right price, as Colin said. Hearts is away form, still a bit patchy. They did get a good 1-0 win at Livy last time out away from home, but they've got Craig Gordon to thank for that um, a lot, and the woodwork. Dundee, though, have lost away a little bit some cracking tweets this week about Dundee fans getting all excited. Three wins in four, two wins on the spin. They then go and lose on the next three games and their captain's in jail. 
<laughs> so um, Charlie Adams obviously arrested on Monday night due to a, it was a drink driving incident, I think. Mm. And to be fair, he's, he'll be a massive miss for Dundee. Yeah. I'm not sure what the state of play is with him at the moment. Obviously, he didn't feature against Hibs on Wednesday. I'd imagine he'll be missing again for, for Saturday. And going by Dundee fans' comments, they really missed him on on uh, Wednesday night against against Hibs. So it's a home game for Dundee. Hearts clear favourites. But looking at the stats here, been lots of goals in Dundee's home games. I think Dundee are capable of scoring goals still, but defensively Dundee are pretty weak. Um, well, you, you saw the own goal they scored against uh, Hibs on was, Wednesday. That was a belter. Probably the best diving header I've seen since Klinsman, probably. Yeah, it's the kind of dive Van Andy just, just dream of, isn't it? Van Persie at the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think for this match, for me, over 1.5 match goals, and I think Dundee have seen 10 or more corners now in seven other eight home games. Hearts rack up plenty. They've got 10 in Sunday against Rangers at Tyne Castle. Not expecting Hearts to rack up 10 here, but they can wrap, rack up at least five or six, and Dundee will definitely get their standard four or five. So it's a pretty solid double here, uh, just over even money with bet 365. Or the bet builder. On the bet more, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, next up, we've got Livingston, Fieros County. Sorry, I sighed there before I even read this, this one now. <laughs> um, and two teams who it looks like there's potentially going to be a five way battle at the bottom for relegation. Um, Ross County look fairly well equipped at times. You know, they seem to, you know, they give those one goals that they just kind of seem to get out of the, the bottom positions at the moment. Um, how do you see this one going, Greg? Quite a few of the games this weekend in the Premiership and even in, in the lower leagues wasn't that attractive. This is a really tough match between two sides who, you have to say, have improved massively. Ross County looked down and out about a month ago, mm. but they're actually one of the form teams in the league, to be fair. They'll be very disappointed last night to run Celtic so close. That'll be a massive, massive kick in the teeth to lose such a late goal after claiming what be a really, really good point for them. Um, Livingston as well, uh, back-to-back wins. Not something you get with Livingston. It's at Livingston's pitch. Obviously, they haven't done that well at home Livingston this season, to be fair. And it's a, it's a match between, like I say, two sides who are improving. Try to find the angle here was difficult. The good thing for he, for here is I think Ross County have scored 23 goals this season. Yeah. Only Rangers, Celtic, and Hearts have beaten that, which is quite unusual for a side struggling at the bottom end of the table. And that's what 15, 14 more goals than St Johnston have scored. Mm-hmm. So they are scoring goals, Ross County, and I think they're capable of scoring here against Livingston and racking up four corners. I've been pretty impressed by Ross County's corner stats. They will take great confidence from. Um, the performance against Celtic last night um, and they, they are winning matches and scoring goals so angle here Ross County to score and over 3.5 Ross County corners at 21 to 20 and again that's on the bet these it's five bet builder yeah, Colin Ross County are just two defeats in the last seven and those were against Rangers and Celtic so you know there's certainly but one of the form teams in that bottom half of the table yeah, they had they had a really poor start, but they were always running you know, sort of well below their expected points. So I, th- I think I don't, don't don't like to say it was inevitable, but I think you could see that there should be an uptick in the results at some point. Um, I think what separates them from a, a few of the teams down the bottom is, as Greg said, they score goals. I really like the boy uh, Hungbo. 
yeah. that they've brought in at wide. I think Charles Cook's really come on from last season as well. That's two two pretty decent wingers for a bottom six team. Um, so they will create plenty. They'll score goals. It, it really might just come down to that. Them having a bit more firepower than the likes of St. Johnson and Livy. Yeah, you'd rather be back in a team that can, can score goals than, than the one that's not. Um, I suppose the, the problem is that they've conceded 31. They've got the second worst defensive record in the league, so they need to tighten up at the back as well. But um, yeah, would you be keen to take Ross County on at their price on Saturday? I think this is another one where it's sort of priced about right, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, a, it's another sort of tough one to call. Just two teams that are about the same level as each other. Livy a little bit shorter because they've got the home advantage. Um, just one that I'm keen to, keen to sidestep as well. Yeah, I think we're uh, following a trend here. As you say, Greg, it's a, it's a tough card. Uh, it's a tough card. I think just on the on the card markets here, um, Bet365 are doing team uh, sorry player cards. So in terms of Livingston, they've probably got two or three players. Uh, Divine, Holt will be popular for them. So there's probably an angle here on maybe a potential cards bet builder. And that's probably something I'll share on the channel come Saturday. Okay, next up we've got Motherwell v St. Johnston before I let you loose, Greg. We'll go to Colin <laughs> first on this one, I think. Uh, it's just three goals in the last ten games for St. Johnston. One of those was an own goal. Uh, five defeats in a row. And I guess a tricky trip to Motherwell, who have been pretty good at home. Colin, the one five, drawn one and lost three. And those three defeats have been to Hibs in the opening day and then to Rangers and Celtic. So um, I thought five to four on Motherwell looked quite appealing. This is this is one of these matches that I hate. It's when my <laughs> models tell me one thing, but my eyes just tell me a completely different thing. I've got this match basically as a as a drawn bet match. You know, both right. teams around about the two point eight mark. But you're obviously looking at Motherwell with sort of 2.2, 2.3, and St Johnson away at 3.5. It's, you know, Motherwell, a team who have quite kind of overperformed to an extent this season, and then St Johnson who have massively underperformed. And it's, do you back it to be this to be the game where those fortunes turn around? I'm, I'm not so sure. I think the thing about Motherwell is they, they, they are overperforming, but they're also, I saw a graphic the other day where, They've got the lowest average shot distance in the league. So they're not creating a huge amount of chances, but when they are, they're generally pretty good chances that are creating. And you see that from you know, from seeing them play. They, they put a lot of balls in the box. Van Veen wins a lot of headers, so he's got quite a few goals with his heads. So they are creating sort of good quality chances. And if they're creating more of them, they'd be, you know, they, they probably would be challenging Hearts in third. Mm. Um, St Johnston just, yeah really struggling to make a case for them despite my model telling me they're really big price here yeah I mean I, I would I would probably want bigger than 23 to 10 Greg on St Johnson to win absolutely absolutely um I think Motherwell five to four is a very very reasonable price I think you need to factor in the fact that Motherwell are 11 points better off than St Johnston and the key thing for me here is when you look at St Johnston's goal scoring form there isn't any form They've um, scored nine goals this season in 17 league games, which must be one of the lowest in any top flight in European football, world football, the universe. You can go on. So we're not creating chances. We're not keeping clean sheets. Now, this match for me should be called a hatchet men derby. This should be a game laden with cards, lots of candidates in both teams. I wouldn't even worry about trying to pick a winner here in this match. I think and Collins 
base it on no bet. I think that's the right approach to take here. Motherwell might have their backers at 5-4. And I must admit, I was very tempted, very tempted to get Motherwell at 5-4 in this match, given they're at home, have a decent home record, and have had a better season so far than St. Johnson have. But happy to ignore that, pry away from that. And it's quiz time. We like to have a quiz on the Gamble podcast. So how many times have St. Johnson scored twice or more in their last 25 games? Once. Colin? I'll be generous and I'll go twice. It was once. Once, yeah. And that was exactly. against Dundee, Dundee at home, 3-0. Yeah. So in the last 25 matches, since the start of um, the year, as such, they've only scored two or more goals once in 25 games, which is absolutely dire. Yeah. So, yeah, don't worry about goals here. Um, I would focus on card markets. I think Motherwell have Van Veen, who is an absolute animal <laughs> up front for Motherwell. He's been booked nine times this season, I believe. Slatley enjoys a booking. McGabby enjoys a booking. I actually did a booking treble on Sunday. Slattery, Van Veen and McGabby. Slattery got booked, Van Veen got booked and McGabby was actually, he got let off the hook from the ref a few times in that, in that match. And also, St. Johnson's favourite, let's all pause for Liam Craig. Yeah. He got booked again last night, but not a typical Liam Craig booking. He got booked for diving. <laughs> it was actually pretty poor, actually. He could have shot and he chose to, to dive. He's been booked 11 times this season. Um, we're battling for points. So Motherwell aren't shy in putting the boot in. He's got more bookings than the entire club's got goals. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. Nice. <laughs> so I think here there's definitely an angle on, on cards. I'm going to try and get over 3.5 cards. Not sure what price we'll get. I think if Paul Petrie's listening, he'll definitely have this. Um, low priced but what I would say is that other bookies aren't as quick and as clever in terms of placing these games up no. so keen to see what price we'll get on match cards and there's definitely a play here on, on player cards either a double or a treble as well Okay, so I'm guessing that's something you'll stick up on the channel if you yes. can get some prices yeah. pre-match Okay, uh, last but not least in the Premiership this week is the United's visit to Ibrooks. Uh, my hearing rumours this game might be in doubt and the United's training has been suspended due to Covid. Yeah, I've read that. I've not seen anything else, to be fair, about it being off, but there's definitely rumours that it could be called off. Yeah, and obviously United are the only team that have beaten Rangers in the league this season. Um, I'd be struggling to make it. I was struggling to make a case for them back then um, when they won in Tannadice. <laughs> I'm probably struggling a wee bit more to make a case for them to win at Ibrox this weekend. Yeah, I think the 14-1 to on the United win kind of sum, sums that up, to be fair. Uh, two to eleven for Rangers. They did the job against St Johnson last night. I think that was always going to be a low-scoring. And in hindsight, you look at bets and the matches, and you go, "That was an obvious win to nil, and an obvious win, and under three point five match goals in that match." This looks very similar. I don't think United score enough goals. In fact, United's goal-scoring record's pretty poor, to be fair. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't see them causing Rangers many problems since on Sunday. I think there should be a routine win for Rangers, probably 2-0 or 3-0. Yeah, and certainly under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, the old Rangers to win. The uh, 1-0 market has come back into play, hasn't it? I tell you what, they're playing much better now, aren't they? Under Van Bronckhurst. They're playing better now than they have done all season since Gerard left. Yeah, ironically, it's kind of looking like the right 
a nice bit of timing on Rangers part for, for a fresh pair of eyes, I suppose, to, to take over the team and um, inject a wee bit of we got more impetus into the team because they were kind of struggling a wee bit under Gerard. Um, so yeah, it's maybe maybe fortunate timing that went to nil. Bet it's five to six on Sunday, Saturday, Greg. Yeah, it was five to six last night as well against St Johnston. So the five to six looks very appealing. To be fair, I, mm. I don't think United they don't have a goal scorer United and struggled to score goals. So I think the five to six on the win to nil, not a market I would normally go for, but it, it looks worth a shout. Mm-hmm. Colin, you able to find any angles in this one? Uh, pretty similar to yourselves. Um, I think the match prices are about right. Um, I've got Rangers minus two on the Asian line is sort of just on the cusp of what I might look at. It it could possibly go shorter if we when we find out who these you know, sort of COVID contacts are for Dundee United. Um, but my angle is pretty similar to yours. It's just both teams to score no. Um, 1.65. It's not a spectacular price, but I make it a lot closer to 1.5. Right. I think uh, I think if if Rangers turn up the way they have done in the last couple of games on the Van Bronckhorst, then it's, I don't see Dundee United troubling them. Um, you know, it's a, a, a comfortable win against St Johnson the other night. Just com- pretty much smothered them, didn't they? I mean, yeah. St Johnson barely had a look in. So, yeah, both teams have scored no. Just looking for that Rangers probably win and should keep a clean sheet. Yeah, and Greg, while we've been focusing a lot on Celtic corners this season, uh, Rangers aren't too bad either. No, they're both really good. Um, hitting seven, eight, nine corners a match. I think they got seven last night, Rangers, and you feel you expect them to hit seven or eight again. The only problem now is you're not getting much of a price. Yeah. And I'm not keen on taking big lines at that eight or nine, although they probably will. Okay, we'll recap uh, the Premiership bets towards the end of the podcast. Then now we'll have a wee look at the, the lower leagues, and this is where Colin comes into his own, hopefully. <laughs> um, we'll take a look at some of the games in more detail. Um, across the Championship, we've got Kilmarnock v Eden Fairlands, probably the first one worth having a look at. Um, so this is one of the interesting stats that I've kind of pulled, pulled out from that Championship, uh, which is very, very tight. Looking at Kilmarnock, um, they've only won one of nine matches against teams that are in the top five in the league this season, which is quite remarkable. You know, we spoke about how they might have been a bit on the short side, anti-post, um, and they've just seemed to have struggled against the, the teams that are up there with them this season, Greg. They have. I would say that the daggers are definitely out for Tommy Wright. I think Kilmarnock fans, and I think quite rightly, are getting a bit fed up. They, as you say, the record against the top teams in the league's been really poor, but overall, looking at their recent form, one win in five, and they've lost four matches one nil. Yeah. One nil with Thistle, one nil Arbroath at home, one nil at Inverness, one nil at Wraith. From what I'm hearing from Rugby Park at the moment, if they fail to beat their film on Saturday, I believe he's gone. So that comes from a very good source. So interesting to see how that match pans out. It's a very dangerous game for Kilmarnock, I think, on on Saturday. I think Dunfermline will be disappointed after last week's 3-0 draw. To score three goals at home and not win um, was a bit of a sore one for uh, Yogi Hughes' team. And I'm not just saying that because we had them to win the match, but you'd expect them to beat Queen in the South last weekend, and it was disappointing that they didn't. But I'm not saying this is, this is a free hit, but all the pressure here is on Kilmarnock. It's going to be a very, very 
toxic atmosphere if Dunfermline keep it tight and even grab an early goal. Mm-hmm. So Kilmarnock have been backed out a little bit into five to six. Dunfermline ten to three. I must admit, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dunfermline not cause an upset, but maybe grab a draw here, given the way the Kilmarnock are playing. I still think Kilmarnock's starting 11 is pretty good and it is probably one of the best in the league, but there's certainly something going wrong at the moment, having only scored in one of the last five games. For a side who Colin pointed out at the start of the podcast were very, very short favourites to win the league. Tommy Wright took over Kilmarnock at the end of last season, failed to keep them up, expectation-wise at Rugby Park would be automatic promotion. And whilst that's still a possibility, they are, what, four or five points off the top, not playing well, not scoring goals. So you can understand why the Natives are getting a bit restless now down in Ayrshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a match probably best left alone for me, but be very intrigued to see how this pans out. Yeah, Colin, off the back of that start that I quoted about Kelly having only won one of nine against teams in the top five, the converse means that they've actually been very good against teams in the bottom half. They've won eight and drawn one out of nine against teams in the bottom half. Obviously, Dunfermline are occupying the bottom half at the moment. Should we still look on Dunfermline as a bottom half team? I think the evidence so far is that they're they're still very much going to be in that fight. I do think in terms of the quality in the squad, I think they have a bit more about them than the likes of Morton, Hamilton, Queen of the South and Ayr. But they're still they are still very much in that fight. Yeah. Um I think the prices on the one X two are probably about right here. But the angle I do like actually here is over two and a half goals. Um at that is two point three with about three six five, what it was last time I checked. Um so that over two point five is only coming in three of Kilmarnock's eight home games. But I think I think what we're looking at here is is the Yogi Hughes effect. Um, or, or even just sort of the cloud lifting from Peter Grant. Um, <laughs> yeah. since, since he was sacked, they've had four matches in the league. Three of them have gone over. So one of them was with the caretaker, Greg Shields, mm-hmm. and then three of them under Hughes. Um, and one of the things that has been interesting in that time is that they've brought in Lewis McCann. He got his first start of the season in that game at Inverness. And his four matches, his four starts of the season, he scored four goals. Yeah. So just... You know, we're we're going on a bit of a sort of bounce here. I think the numbers support it in terms of the model, but yeah, and we know that you know Yogi is a manager who does like to play attacking football, and I think it probably feeds into what Greg was saying as well that if this if this is last roll of the dice for Tommy Wright, he needs to get a win. I think we could potentially see both teams having a go at this. He needs to look towards Ollie Ollie Shaw and Calm Henry. Chris Burke to pick up from when they left off maybe a month or so ago because they were scoring goals recently um, sorry. Uh, it's interesting you talk about the stats probably don't point towards over 2.5 goals in this match but the dynamics of the match do so I think it's always worthwhile kind of pointing that out because sometimes you, you do see a bet where the data doesn't support it but you need to factor in other elements of it and I think this game probably isn't a bad shout at all calling for over 2.5 goals I think it's the fact as well that Kelly's matches have been quite trab recently. We've seen that kind of price, you know, the kind of prices you're getting on the overs, you know, creeping up and up. Like two point mm. three is two point three is a big price for an over two and a half in yeah. a lot of leagues. Yeah, especially. What I do like about that is you often get a really good line on the Asian line. So at the moment, over two and two point five goals on the Asian line are just over even money. 
So half stakes back and there's two goals scored. So it's a market I've used quite a lot this season in the, in the Championship in, in Scotland, where you're not quite convinced there's going to be three goals, but you think there'll be at least two. So it's certainly an angle I, I like to go on if you don't like the over 2.5 line at what, 13 to 10. You can take evens, and just above even, sorry, at over 2.5 and two, over 2 and 2.5. Okay, so there might be a goals angle there. So it'll probably be part for us to, to have a look at. Uh, the other game I, I kind of wanted to touch on was uh, Partick Thistle v Wraith Rovers. And again, just digging into the stats, Partick Thistle's record is very, very similar to Kilmarnock in terms of how they've garnered their points this season. Again, similar to Kilmarnock, just one win uh, in eight games against teams in the top five. Uh, and they've only taken four points out of a possible 28 against teams in the top five. They welcome Wraith Rovers uh, to for Hill on Saturday. And I guess when we talk about teams that are maybe overperforming, Colin, did Wraith Rovers fall into that category this far into the season? Uh, possibly. They are, they are a team who they have scored quite a few goals from outside the box. So you'd maybe look at that as, you know, how repeatable is that? But when you've mm. got a player like Sonata and also, you know, he's, he's, almost, he's you know, he is the, the Scottish championship, Arjen Robin. He just sort of does that little chop inside and then goes for the far corner. So, you know, maybe, maybe that can keep powering them throughout the season. Um, I think they've had Seb Ross who's come in. He was injured for a while. He's come back into the side as well. And they've, I think they're, they're the team in the championship are on the longest unbeaten run. I think you have to go back to a cup match at Celtic Park about 14 or 15 games ago to find the last time they lost. So their team before at the start of the season and maybe even up to a month or two ago, you would say, yeah, they're overperforming. But I think I think they're a serious contender for the championship this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, you have to go back to 11th of September for the last league defeat, which was a 1-0 defeat to Queen of the South. And then, you know, they've only, they've only been beaten twice in the league this season, which is some going, you know, in a league where it's not a lot to choose between those top five in the table. Yeah, just on the Thistle match, I think for me, Thistle have failed to score now in five of the last eight matches. They were goal-scoring machines until about six weeks ago. They beat Hamilton 6-1, but since then, they've failed to score in five of the last eight. A couple of 1-0 wins and a 4-0 win. So I think that match for me is just best left alone. And Again, I probably agree with the angle that Colin's got for this one. Okay, before we wrap up, uh, well, we've still got a few to go in the Championship, but we'll have a wee look at our growth v Morton as well on Saturday. Colin, you're quite keen on a market here. Yeah, I like uh, I like un- I like under two and a half goals here. Ah. Um, <laughs> another 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 coupon killer. I've, I've, I've tipped both teams to score no, and now I'm going for an unders. Um, their growth under two and a half one is. I think the prices, I think our growth are slightly too short just on the match markets. But when you look at Morton's away record, it's it's shambolic. They've scored four away goals all season. Uh, three of those were actually in the one game away from Fairland. Yeah. Not, not tell, long. Tell, tell me about it. <laughs> not not long before they they sacked Peter Grant, and I watched the highlights of that one, and the three goals weren't they, they weren't from anything particularly the good Morton were doing. It was just you know a couple of crosses in the box that Fairland didn't deal with, and one of the more ridiculous penalties you giveaways you'll see this season, and then they've scored one other goal. So they're they're not getting goals. I don't expect them to score here. Um, our both are actually the team in the championship with the best goal difference, um, but they've, I think they've only scored only scored two or more on three occasions. So 
this really is a sort of anti-Morton play. You're hoping for an Arbroath 1-0 or 2-0 here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, it was 1.85 when I took it. It's now down to 1.825. I think I, I would still I would still back it down at that price. Um, that's for bet 3.65. It's actually, you need to click it at the Asian lines. It's 1.8, it's 1.80 on the just the main market. But if you click it at the Asian lines, you can get 1.825. Um, and that's quite a nice wee trick to keep up your sleeve as well. Yeah, it's hard to believe that that still happens. This it's, day the, it's, <laughs> it's the exact same bet, but it's a slightly better price because your Asian lines are, are priced to a tighter margin than yeah. just your standard markets. Yeah, it always amazes me that one. Uh, Greg, I guess you're not going to disagree too much with Colin's take on that one. No, I think he's absolutely spot on. I think the price in Arbroath for me as well is a little bit too short. 11 to 20 for Arbroath which I can get why they're that price, because Morton are terrible. Let's be honest, Morton, I think, are the poorest team in that league. But I just think it's a little bit too short for me. So I, th- I do like the angle. Not that many goals in Narbro's home games, and they can they can nudge a little 1-0, 2 win here. OK. We'll move swiftly on to League One. And, yeah, let's have a wee look at Falkirk, Colin. Uh, where do we start? New manager in place, Martin Rennie. Kenny Miller confirmed as assistant manager. Uh, it's been a fairly abysmal season so far, Colin. It has been poor. I think there's only one team in the league that's scored fewer goals than us, which for for a full-time team going in there with aspirations of the title pre-season is, is pretty embarrassing, to be honest. And that, that has been the tale of our woes as creating chances and having a reliable striker to put them away. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are other issues in the team. I think uh, I think centre back's been an unresolved issue for a while. Defensive mids um, got an absolute shadow in Stephen Hetherington. So somebody who I was really I thought could be a good player for us. I thought he had a really good balance of experience in the lower leagues, but also the hunger to you know prove himself again at a full-time team. So, yeah, the spine of the team needs some major surgery in January. Um, as for Rennie, I'm I, I'm fairly optimistic on this one. It's something mm-hmm. that I'm quite quite happy to see us roll the dice on. I think that, that list that came out from McBookie was just grim, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually is. Um, yeah, so you're fairly optimistic. I think, I think it's definitely worth a shot. I don't think... I think if you look at his CV and... I don't profess to be an expert on football across the pond, but he's he had a couple of seasons in MLS. Um, he took, I think he took the Whitecaps to the playoffs and had the you know, highest ever points tally. That was obviously we're going back about seven or eight years now. But he's been he's been managing in I think the third tier in Korea, and then he's been back in the second tier in America as well. I don't know a huge amount about that level of football, but if you if you assume that the Premiership is about the same level as MLS, then I don't think it's a stretch to think that both our second tiers are similar as well. So I think the great thing here, Colin, is it can't get any worse. It, you, you would you would hope not. <laughs> it can't get any worse. I think he's, a, he's got a good little gig here because I don't think it can get any worse for Falkirk. I, I really don't. Um, I really do hope he can come in and stay in the ship. But like I said at the start of the podcast, I'm not a million miles off Um pushing for promotion still so it's still within their grasp and there's still plenty of time plenty of points to play for it's, it's tight at the top and there's 
I, I don't know if we're maybe going to see Cove sort of pull away a little bit, but I was looking down at, uh, you know, we've always had the, t- the top of the tables been switching quite a lot this season, and I had a little dig into that, and all the, none of the top teams are putting are putting in consistent results against each other. It's just when they, it sort of ebbs and flows with whoever's got a kind run of fixtures. Yeah, yeah. And the new management team won't, wouldn't have picked a, a potentially better start for them on their way to East Fife on Saturday. I think East Fife are in their bottom of the league and they're obviously the five adrifted in Barton, but I don't think I don't I think that gap between the two of them is a little bit of a false position based on their squads now. I did really like the signing of Kyle Connell for East Fife. Who's in charge East... at East Fife now, Con? Oh Dan Young left, didn't he, recently? Stevie Crawford. Oh, so it is, yeah. So it is. Yeah, not not somebody I massively massively rated at Dunfermline, I thought. I thought they kind of punched below their weight given the squad of players. Yeah. Be interesting to see what he does. But yeah, the, the kind of run of form that East Fife were on, I, it was hard to see Dan Young surviving that. I think they do have they do have a little bit of firepower in that team and I think they can get closer to the likes of Dumbarton and Peter. Yeah, Head, I'm with you. But... I think they can I think they can catch Dumbarton. I think Dumbarton for me, as I said at the start of the season, will be the poorest team in that league and it's starting to look that way. But it's a great opportunity for Falkirk to get off to a winning start under the new gaffer. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they opened at an incredible price on Monday. They were 2.5 to win this game. And I know I know it's an underperforming squad. It's in poor form. But you're, you're still you're still talking nine points between these two sides. Um, Falkirk have lost, lost three on the bounce, shipped 10, scored zero. That obviously doesn't make particularly great reading. But it, that was against first, second and third. Mm-hmm. Before those three games, they had a run of four where they won two and drew two, and that was against four of the bottom five sides. Um, won comfortably at Peter uh, at Clyde and the Barton, drew nil nil at Peterhead, but you know, dominated the shot count. Probably should have got the three in that game as well. And if you look at the prices Falkirk were in those games, they were two point three five at Peterhead, one point eight three at Dumbarton, and one point seven at Clyde. Mm-hmm. So to be pricing them up at two point five was was ridiculous. I didn't quite take the plunge on the outright win. I went with the Toronto bet on this one at 1.85, and that's that price is long gone. The market is starting to to shift towards more what I would say is the true price. Um, you can still get them at 1.7. I don't think that's terrible, but I think I've been seeing in the the lower leagues as well is that you don't get pinnacle prices on like League One or League Two till about a Friday morning. Right. And there's times where the pinnacle price comes out and there's just a mad scramble between the lights <laughs> off, Bet365, Bet Victor, all them, just to, we, you know, we've cocked this up and we better we better move it before people jump on. Yeah. Um, so Falkirk are still around the 13 to 10 mark. Greg, are you tempted in at that price? I'm tempted purely on the basis that East Col- Life Collins told you so. struggling. <laughs> Collins told me so. Um, you could probably add into the fact that Falkirk are probably due a win, and if you're a firm believer of the new manager bounce, then there's maybe a slight case to be made for for Falkirk on Saturday, especially at that, at that price, at 13 to 10. I think obviously as Colin said, it was maybe six to four earlier in the week. Um, I probably would have taken that had I seen it, but yeah, 13 to 10 um, isn't a bad price still, but I'll probably be leaving it alone. Yeah, I guess it's a bit like where we were with Dunfermline a few weeks ago when we heard um, 
you know, obviously Peter Grant had gone, John Hughes had got the job, and you know that both clubs had better squads than the league position was suggesting. So you're just kind of hoping that this is maybe an opportunity to get on board at a decent price. You know, if they start putting some results together, I'm not going to get 13 to 10 prices in Falkirk to win games like this for much longer. Yeah. Well, definitely. Okay. Um, also, anything else in, in League One we want to have a look at? There's Montrose v Queen's Park. Colin, anything from that one standing out for you? Um, I've, I've got four matches in League One where I think Bet Victor went pretty early with the both teams to score markets. So I've got Clyde, Dumbarton, East Fife, and Montrose all knowing the both teams to score. Not, I, I don't think the stats support all of those games, but the prices are just too big. They're all sitting about the 2.5, 2.6 mark, which I think is a little too big on those. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely the standout game. And it's. I, I did look at it. There's a little bit in there for Queen's Park. Maybe a little bit of value sitting with them, but I think as we touched on earlier, none of these, none of the sides in the sort of top three, four have really got a great record against each other. There's nobody that's kind of putting consistent wins together. I thought um, Queen's Park obviously put six past us a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't just the kind of scoreline. I think the nature of the performance, they did look a lot hungrier than they had been in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. But then they've had a week without a game, so maybe a little bit of uncertainty there. It's one of these where if, when you're playing like that, you just want the games to come, come thick and fast, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. Two teams that have had a lot of draws, though, this season. Uh, yeah, they, Queen's Park were, I think they were, were they not four or five draws in a row before that win against us? They're not losing a lot and they're keeping in touch with Cove, but they're not, yeah, there's there's nobody there's nobody sort of pulling away in this league at the moment. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really finely poised game, that. I guess with those two playing each other, it's a chance for Cove to maybe put some daylight between them and either second or third place there at home to Aloha, Greg. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect them to win that um, quite quite comfortably. I think they've kicked on quite a bit recently, Cove have. Obviously, with Mitch Megason and Rory McAllister scoring goals still, um, you have to fancy at the moment Cove to maybe kick on. But yeah, I think anything other than a cold victory on, on Saturday would be a surprise. We're still getting 11 to 20, 1 to 2. I think very soon, Cove at home are probably going to start getting less than 1 to 2 in their home games, especially when they start playing Dumbarton, Peterhead, etc. OK, we'll move on to week two. And the weekend starts Friday night in Edinburgh. Uh, Falkirk make the trip down to play Edinburgh City um, at Ainsley Park. And Forfar are a team that's going to going under the radar a wee bit. Um, all the focus has been on, on Kelty this season, but Falkirk, I think they've only lost twice this season, once to Stirling, once to, to Kelty. Um, and I think they look, at, they look at a decent price on Friday night, Greg. They do. They're, they've been backed into them to 10 for for having looked at the league table. They're only seven points behind Kelty, actually, mm-hmm. which isn't that bad. They, they have played the game more, to be fair. So that could be 10 points. But definitely looking to be best of the rest. Edinburgh City, after a really poor start to the season, Edinburgh City, really poor start to the season, have picked up a little bit. They they grabbed a draw on Saturday. Um, it's a tough one to call this. I don't like Friday night matches. I don't like Edinburgh City Friday night matches especially. <laughs> but looking at this match... Edinburgh City have seen both teams score now in 10 of their last 12 matches. There's been over 2.5 goals scored now in four of their last five at home. 
back four for. I mean, like you say, under the radar, scoring goals, playing well. They've now scored two or more goals in seven of their last nine games. And Forfar haven't kept the clean sheet away from home in any of their last seven matches. Uh, both teams to score came in in five of those eight games. So I think it's a, a match. It should be really intriguing, actually. Two teams in good shape. Forfar looking to close the gap and just put a little bit of pressure on Kelty over the weekend. I definitely think we'll see both teams score here. I'm not a massive fan of both teams to score. It's not a market I like to do. I don't do it very often. But what it does do, it does support over 2.5 goals because I do think both teams will score in this match and over 2.5 goals pays 7 to 8 with SBK. Okay. Colin, any angles in for you in this game on Friday night? I had four for shortlisted. I think they were about 2.5 on Monday or 1.8 in the draw no bet. I kind of put them on my shortlist and maybe to go back and do a bit more research research on them, watch a few of their matches, because there's a team that I've, I've kind of neglected a bit this season. They've not been, they've not popped up on my radar too much, um, and those prices are gone now. So, yeah, missed opportunity perhaps. They're now about, I think they're about base price, about 2.1 to win and about 1.6 on the draw no bet. They've kind of gone to about where I would have them. So a missed opportunity, but, yeah, it's probably still a positive that you're, that the model's identifying that in the first place. Yes. Yeah, um, and we kind of touched on the fact that it's potentially an opportunity for Forfar to close the gap a wee bit on Celtic. Now, Celtic play Sunrar <coughs> on Saturday. Celtic are 7-10 to win away to Sunrar, who currently sit in fourth place. Um, and you quite fancy them to win with some to spare. Yeah, I actually really like Celtic here. Or it's obviously, you usually see teams going off slightly shorter at home than they would away from home, but if you dig into Kelly's numbers, they're obviously they have a slightly smaller sample size in terms of their away games, but their goal difference away from home is 1.67, which is actually a little bit better than their home one at 1.45. And just in terms of the sort of spread of those goals as well, at home this season, they've only scored two or more in four of their nine home games. Mm-hmm. But they've scored two or more in five of their six away games. They've had a lot of games at home where it's it's been a bit of a grind, and they've just sort of got over the line with one goal. Yeah. They are, I mean, they are a they are a machine, and they you know they are gonna they are gonna win the league. I'm pretty confident of that. But you know the away games seem to be. I don't. Know, I think. I think it's just a classic. You know, teams will have a bit more of a goal when they're on their own when they're on their own patch. Yeah. So yeah, the one I like here, I think. I think. 1.7 is a pretty decent price for them just to win the game. But I quite like minus one in the Asian handicap. If you, if you can get that 2.3, if you can get any money down with Unibet. <laughs> uh, I struggle sometimes. Uh, I think sometimes, most people struggle with Unibet, I think. I yeah. can sometimes get about 14 or 15 pound on, and I've, I've no idea where they come up with these values. But, <laughs> um, they're 2.25 or 3.65 as well, which again is you know, a very backable price for that. Greg, we've kind of spoke about Kelty's prices this season and, you know, um, kind of trying to find some value in some of the prices. I guess 7 to 10 might be might be as good as it gets. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we'll see much bigger than that between now and the end of the season. But they do have a seven-point lead as it stands, a game in hand, um, 10 points clear probably. You'd imagine come the end of the season that 10 points could be 16, 17 points. Uh, for me, the league's, the league's over. But it's nice to see Forfar hanging on in there at this point. Yeah. Uh, also in League One, I think Aaron 
Athletic are another team who's maybe going under the radar a wee bit um, this season. They're sitting third in the table, um, and they they're away to Stirling Albion, um, who are going through a horrendous run of form at the moment. They lost their last five league games. Uh, and in at thirty-one to twenty, we bet three six five. I thought might be a bit of value as well, Colin. I've, I've, this one's in the same category for me as uh, Motherwell St Johnston. It's you know the data's telling you one thing, but your your eye test is is telling you the opposite. Um, I don't think you can back against uh, Annan in this in the kind of form they're in. They're mm-hmm. they're actually they've got a wild record. I think they've won three of their eight home games and they've won five of their eight away games. It's just it's such a stark contrast. We spoke about Kelly being marginally better away from home. Annan mm-hmm. are. Yeah, they are an away team, yeah. and yeah, just the sort of turmoil that Sterling are going through as well. They're they've just really been struggling for goals. They've lost their manager. I I had reasonably high hopes for them this the for the summer. I thought they'd recruited reasonably well, and they're not they're not dead in the water. They're still only a point off fourth place, mm-hmm. so playoffs is still achievable for them. But yeah, they're, they're an absolutely miserable run. You're going back to. You know, the first week in October, the last time they won. So yeah, I, I can't just can't make a case for them winning this one, even if you know my models tell me there's a bit of price and a bit of value in them. Yeah, I just thought the price of of Annan uh, was worth discussing, if nothing else. Uh, Greg, anything in League Two remaining for you? No, nothing else in League Two. No. Greg, we're going to have a wee look at a couple of Premier League games down south uh, and a couple of corner bets that you're quite keen on. Yeah, so there's two matches that stand out. Uh, West Ham at home to Norwich on Saturday and also Spurs versus Liverpool on Sunday. Um, Both of these have been shared in the channel at the moment. Quite impressed with the way Conte's gone about his business at Spurs. It's been a really good start. Three wins, three consecutive home matches. They were due to play tonight. That's been called off. Liverpool played tonight against Newcastle. They haven't played in two weeks now, Spurs, which could be at their own detriment, or it could be that they're ready to go in fresh. But at home, they look a decent price to get some corners at home to, to Liverpool. And same for Norwich, who are massive outsiders away to uh, what you have to say is a really good West Ham team this season. They've had mm-hmm. a great season, um, David Moyes' team. So they've both been shared on, on the channel. I'm just going to kind of torpedo one of Greg's bets here and let him know that uh, West Ham Norwich has been postponed. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh dear. <laughs> That's okay. Back to the drawing board. And I suspect the Tottenham Liverpool one might not be far away from being postponed either, given what's happened this week as well. So, fingers crossed for you, Greg, there that at least that one might uh, might go ahead on Sunday. Okay, can you guys just give us a wee recap of your best bets for the weekend, then starting with yourself, Greg? Yeah, so the Scottish Premiership, Dundee v Hearts, um, taking over 1.5 match goals and over 9.5 corners, and that's 21 to 20 with bet 365. Moving into the Livingston v Ross County match, I'm taking Ross County to score and over 3.5 Ross County corners, and that also pays 21 to 20 with bet 365. Hoping to have a cards angle from the Motherwell versus St Johnston match, and that's something that I'll share on the channel hopefully tomorrow if not Saturday at the very latest. And I also have a bet builder from the Hibs versus Celtic game on Sunday in the, the League Cup final at Hamden. Uh, Colin, your best bet for the weekend? Yeah, I've got uh, Rangers versus Dundee United on the Sunday. Um, both teams to score no. 
that's 1.65 with Betvictor. In the championship, are both under 2.5 goals. That's 1.825 with Bet365. Kilmarnock against Dunfermline over 2.5 goals. That's 2.3 with Bet365. Um, into, and into League 2, um, Kelty away to Stranraer. Uh, Kelty on the minus one Asian handicap. That is 2.3 with Unibet or 2.25 with Bet365. Good stuff, thank you. I've been, that, I've been that put off by the West Ham game being called off. I forgot to mention Edinburgh City at home to Forfar on yep. Friday night. Yep. Over 2.5 match goals is 78. Yeah, I remembered. Okay, Doc, don't forget you can follow the guys on Twitter at Browning84Greg and at CunningColin, both obviously very worth a, a follow if you're on Twitter. And if you want more tips like these, then make sure you join Greg's Telegram channel. Uh, just visit gambler.co.uk for all the details of how to sign up there. And just remains for me to say thank you very much to yourself, Colin, for joining us on this week's podcast. Hopefully we can, we can get you back on before the end of the season. No, yeah, thanks, thanks Colin. Always enjoy these. We'll appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We'll be back next week ahead of Christmas. And uh, best of luck with your bets this weekend. Thank you and good luck. <laughs>